0: up, everybody. Welcome to Wayward Artists in a Wayward World. I am Sid, and I'm joined today by Leah Mada, my new theater friend. How are you doing today, Leah? I'm well. How are you? I'm doing really good. Today, my dog is joining me in my bedroom. He's asleep. Um, I'm babysitting him. Um, he's, a, he's, he's a pretty big barker, so I really hope he doesn't make a special guest appearance. <laughs>
1: <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, I have my my roommate teaching violin in the next room, so we might both thunders we'll
0: see oh yeah you know I I thought I heard like uh you know like a little bus you know you know like a, a train horn or something oh like yeah yeah no that's a,
1: <laughs> that's actually a string instrument
0: <laughs> oh wow yeah I it, it was barely noticeable I just thought huh I guess she lives right by a train station or something okay. <laughs> not not to not to uh not to uh criticize your friend's work or anything like that. no
1: no it's it's an ongoing joke within our household
0: I see, so Leah, um this is a, a really cool surprise um to have you on here because we actually don't really know each other at all, yeah, I mean i yeah, I said that about uh, a couple other guests, but I legit like only met you for like fifteen
1: <laughs> I like... think it was seven minutes, weren't they giving us seven minute intervals?
0: yeah, so uh the way I met uh, Leah was um meet cute uh is a theater company in l a that was hosting one of these um speed dating things for like um networking and that's how i met leah and we, we kind of hit it off on instagram and we followed each other and then uh, i was like hey do you want to like come on this podcast <laughs> that i'm doing and she said yes um
1: she said yes
0: yeah she said yes i was like ah, oh, totally expecting her to be like ah, oh, man who's this weird guy asking you on his quote-unquote podcast you know <laughs> Yeah. So um, if for those of you who don't know, and including myself, like, who are you?
1: I am. Who am I? I am a recently turned 30-year-old woman. Ooh. My pronouns are she and her. And mm-hmm. I live in Los Angeles. And I actively wear, as far as my career, although most of those hats are currently out of fashion due to mm-hmm. the current state of the world. But I oh. am an actor, I am a theater producer, I am a, a teaching artist, and I am a bartender. So I guess that's, that's the log line of my life.
0: Oh, wow. Well, that's, that's, that's pretty dope. I mean, you're already like a theater producer, actor, like, I, I feel like I'm all those things, but I just literally just started like a couple months ago. So <laughs> uh, this is all brand new to me. I'm excited to learn from you a little bit like how you're how, like how you navigate through theater definitely
1: I still consider myself very much an amateur even though I have technically been doing all these things for like I guess I guess 10 years now really but I maybe that's just the life of an artist I'll always perpetually feel like an amateur. I, I
0: guess yeah so uh did you go to school for theater
1: yeah so I have two degrees um I I have a bachelor of music from Boston University. Those were the days when I thought that I wanted to be a singer. Well, well, I mean, I still sing, but those were the days when I thought I was exclusively on singing. And then um, about uh, two years after getting out of school, I decided I wanted to slightly adjust course and went back to school and got my MFA in acting from UCLA School of Theater, Film and Television.
0: Wow, I Boston University. Okay, so um, it's not a coincidence. I don't think we met because that is actually a school that I want to get my MFA from.
1: Oh yeah, when you <laughs> yeah. know, when I was in the music program, there were only a few MFAs at the time, and I don't know if it's still that way. However, mm-hmm. I've I've sort of tang tangentially, and tang- that word always throws me. I've just dist- <laughs> I've distantly watched those mfa graduates since i since i left and they are (laughs) all like very thriving theater directors in the boston or new england area now it's been really cool to watch
0: yeah i i really admire their program because um you can attach along with your mfa in directing like an arts administration uh certificate oh i i was like wow that's actually kind of cool yeah do that. Uh, That's uh, that school. And then DePaul was another um, school I was looking at for my master's as well. Cool.
1: I actually I'll admit publicly that I auditioned at DePaul for the MFA program and I did not get accepted.
0: Oh, wow. So it's (laughs) yeah, it sounds like you got some tea there.
1: (laughs) I just I had I I, I was I had only applied to uh, schools in LA and Chicago because I either wanted to come back home to LA, which is where I'm from born and or i wanted to go to chicago because that's where my parents now have retired too so it would have been nice to be in chicago but it's also nice to be in los angeles
0: <laughs> oh yeah i mean like good for you i, I mean probably not good now because of with everything that's going on
1: yeah uh, you could say that about anywhere but yeah California's I, really taken a dip in the last week or so <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah we we kind of all are but I, i'm hearing so much like crazy stuff over there in LA right now. Yeah. Um, with the protests and all that, yeah, like yeah. hopefully you're staying safe over there.
1: Yeah. I, I mean, I am, I can speak from my individual experience and my little trifecta. I have my roommate and my partner who I see and we're all doing fine, but okay. Yeah,
0: exactly. I'm glad to hear that. Of course, guys, gals and non-binary pals. This is the wayward artists in a wayward world podcast where we interview a bunch of different artists, not necessarily theater artists. um, And we just talk about the person that we're thankful for. It's based on a podcast by Jared Petty, um, very big in the video games community. He had a podcast called A Pocket Full of Soup, and where he interviewed his friends to talk about the person that they're thankful for. And so, Leah, without further ado, I would love to know, um, who is the one person you're thankful for?
1: I... I'm gonna, okay, so I I have, I'm torn because I feel compelled to list the person that I'm the most thankful for, from like a theater perspective. But, Mm -hmm. but, 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 and that's an old educator of mine from high school that I I am still in touch with. And I love so dearly. And like, I owe so much to her for inspiring me. But really, Mm -hmm. these days, I'm the most thankful for my partner who's been like a very present and active support system for me during this quarantine and like thinking about a career, like what a career in the arts looks like in a post COVID-19 world. Like he has Mm -hmm. just really been consistent in helping me comprehend what's going on right now. and I'm so thankful for him.
0: I'm glad that that's actually really cool. You're 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 the second uh, partner.
1: <laughs> oh yeah,
0: partner. So that's really cool. Um, yeah. I'm I'm very curious to know, Leah. Where did your whole love for theater start? So basically, what we'll do is we'll kind of just backtrack, yeah. And then we'll eventually get to the point where you meet your boyfriend. You have, or I'm assuming you I apologize, your partner. I don't think you said it was your boyfriend.
1: Yeah, uh, he is my boyfriend, but I prefer okay. I prefer partner. Just it feels okay. more.
0: Feels more okay. adult.
1: To me. Yeah.
0: So, um, yeah. Like to the day, like you met your partner, and you, yeah. you figured out like he was uh, they were the uh, person you're most thankful for.
1: Okay. Cool. <laughs> so
0: where, yeah. So where did it all started with theater? Let's let's take it way back.
1: Well, it. I, I. I. So I guess I'll just reveal the the first answer to my quest. The the first person that is who I was sort of alluding to that is my like theater mm. most thankful for mm. is this woman. Um, that was my, the director and acting educator at my high school. Her name is Claire Hackett. Um, mm-hmm. she was really critical to my experience getting through high school. I, I, I do come from a, a place of privilege and my parents chose, were able to, to send me to a private Catholic all girls high mm-hmm. school, uh, in Los Angeles, um, And during my time there, I struggled because I am. I just, I I, I guess ever since I was like 12 and through now, I'm just very anti corporate, anti mainstream, you know, Uh anti the man. And (laughs) this, the high school that I went to was exactly that. And so I felt very isolated. Socially, within my high school, and so I found an incredible amount of solace within the theater program, which was pretty much a one person show this This person, Claire Hackett, pretty much single handedly ran the whole program and hmm. so i just I owe her so much because I came into the theater program and just really fa- found a venue of like emotional safety and an ability to be myself. And I mean, from pretty much from there on out, I was like just attached to theater because of the specific kind of community that I found in it of openness and like vulnerability, a type of openness that you don't necessarily experience, you know, out in the world in any kind of day-to-day social activity.
0: Mm -hmm. Um, i'm curious to know since you were in an all-girl high school which by the way when you said that and then you said you're from la like i immediately thought (laughs) ladybird oh yeah yeah (laughs) yeah which and because she was also in theater too yeah i was like yeah that's kind of funny that that uh, movie
1: is um like a bizarrely accurate reflection of my (laughs) high school experience
0: oh my goodness it really is yeah. So what I wanted to ask you though, um, you said your uh, teacher that her name, her name was Claire. Was that correct? Yeah, Claire. Okay. Um, what kind of plays were produced at this all high, uh, Catholic girl high school? Um, with Cla- Claire at the helms.
1: It was largely from the traditional canon,
2: mm-hmm.
1: but the edges of the traditional canon. Like she wasn't picking. She was not she was choosing us she was choosing to not expose us to all the crap that for whatever reason you're constantly seeing uh high schools do like I don't know what do we what do we what am I even talking like Wizard of Oz uh
0: maybe the Susicle yes
1: like Susicle
0: <laughs>
1: and and so instead she was having us do shows like antigone um uh, 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 As You Like It, wh- mm-hmm. one acts by underknown playwrights. Um, so it was cool because uh, she she wanted to. She, I think she wanted to celebrate the traditional, king, but not in like the sort of cliche, most mainstream ways. She was trying to like ex- widen that widen that um, umbrella of possibility. Because, mm-hmm. you know, I feel like so many high schoolers that love theater, they, they come, they, they arrive at freshman year of college to study theater, but their whole understanding of the canon is just mm-hmm. like Death of a Salesman and musicals and a story and Romeo and Juliet mm-hmm. and a story. And so I, I'll, I, I hand it to Claire Hackett for um, trying to widen that.
0: Yeah. I, uh, I appreciate you saying that because I agree with you. (laughs) Um, I, uh, I go to, I went to Gonzaga university and we did mother courage and her children um, as part of our um, season Mm -hmm. and everybody in our group, all the actors in there for the most part, they were like freshmen and they had all these like high school, like uh, expectations of what theater, what is, you know, and like, you know, they, they came from that background. And so uh, it was kind of a little bit challenging to, uh, you know, have them change their perspective of what theater can and can't like can be Mm -hmm. instead of what they've always known it could be. Yeah. Um, I have actually a mentee or like one of the not my mentee, like my apprentice, like not the one that was on the podcast, but Mm -hmm. uh, an apprentice that I actually teach. And the stuff that I expose her to, I expose her to things like I don't even think like her high school would even like touch on. Like Sam Beckett is one of them. Yeah. Um reread Passover, um, Antoinette No Noandu. Have you ever read that play?
1: No, I haven't. And I read Ooh. I read a lot of plays. <laughs>
0: yeah. That play, um, if, if you're familiar with uh Waiting for Godot, yeah, um yeah. it is basically Black Lives Matter, but waiting for Godot. Okay. Uh it is powerful piece of theater and it's really it's raw like it, it just hits you but, but it's like one of those plays that like potentially a high schooler probably wouldn't be reading um no right it's not really that no or like you know reading Anne Bogart like I'm we actually had a, a lot of our sessions were teaching her Anne Bogart <laughs> and like there's like no way you would be teaching like Anne Bogart to a high schooler not, That's no so
1: not at all yeah 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 <laughs>
0: Yeah, so I admire her for doing that. I th- I feel like definitely a lot of kids just uh, have like this bushy eye like te- like bushy eye whatever you want to call Absolutely. it like a perspective of like theater yeah. and the reality of the situation is it's like theater is so much bigger than just the the normal canon. In fact, I would I would say that the canon is overrated <laughs> in a lot of cases. Mm-hmm. Um I feel like I, I mean, it's important. The canon's important. Yeah,
1: but, I uh, I agree with you. I've and i really enjoyed during the quarantine exclusively yeah. reading new plays or plays written in the last ten years. I'm like, yeah, I want to I want to I see. I, I I'm currently on what's occurring in people's minds now, mm-hmm. and looking less at history. Although, yeah. the, with the Black Lives Matter movement, it has really exposed to me major holes within my understanding of um American theater history that I am endeavoring to start filling now mm-hmm. in a crucial way especially yeah. especially if I if I um intend to keep teaching theater
0: mm-hmm. yeah uh at least in my experience with theater history like so much of it is spent in Europe <laughs> you oh know God. like
1: I, yeah just, it's true yeah.
0: And I, uh, I spoke to my professor about that and like, she agrees too, but like, there's so only, there's so much that like needs to be covered with theater. You need like a hi- theater history, like part two to like cover like exactly everything, but like you miss like middle Eastern theater, for example, like it's so like, they're so big on like Egyptian theater. Yeah. It's so big. That is so mm-hmm. funny
1: that you say that. So, um. I had a brief meeting earlier today with an old, with a rising senior in high school. She's right about to audition for um, college. Or she's gearing up to do her BFA college auditions. Mm-hmm. And so um, we sat, we had a little Zoom meeting to like talk about Talk about, and so she's in the process of picking her monologues. And she Mm -hmm. is um, Iranian, and she speaks Farsi, and it's a really cool and important part of her identity. And I, so Mm -hmm. I, I said, I was like, okay, here's what we're gonna do: we're gonna do some research, and we're gonna find uh, some contemporary Iranian American or just Iranian playwrights that speak to you, and we're gonna look to them for possible audition material. However. I didn't know of any off the top of my head. And, mm-hmm. and so I've had to really like put my little like thread of, I've had to like reach my octopus arms out in any direction I can to see yeah. to, and ask my friends. And I have found some names, but, but you're right. Like I did not know those names prior to this morning and they look like there's some really cool and interesting work that they're, that they have out in the world.
0: Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um it's just, it's definitely interesting. Yeah. <laughs> but I feel like we're you and I were pretty young, and uh, mm-hmm. we're seeing this world for what it is. And I feel like we're really good listeners. And so I feel like the people that we're, we're teaching now is like it's our responsibility to like expose them to all this stuff. Yes. And and to make sure that they are. You know, like not to like totally diss like the canon, which like you know there are really important plays in there, but like yeah, to expand their reach yes, and absolutely. to really to, to make sure they know that um it's not all just white people or like even like plays from the last hundred years which still get produced today when um you know it, like, they get produced today without any real thought to them I feel like you know what I mean
1: I do I yeah I couldn't agree more (laughs) yeah
0: and so let's reel it back in with Claire um high school theater Mm -hmm. um so did you always knew you wanted to be a theater artist like when you were in that theater department in your high school
1: yeah I, I think I did I think I knew pretty pretty young like freshman year of high school I had already decided I didn't, po- po- it's possible I didn't know theater specifically, but I knew that the performing arts were p- pretty much going to be a part of my life okay. in a significant and, way.
0: And how does Claire factor in, like your relationship with Claire, how does that factor into your love of theater exactly? Like, what did she, what, what, what did she do for you specifically that was like, oh yeah, this person really means a lot to me that I'm going to talk about them on this podcast.
1: Right, well, for one, she was just, uh, a, a wildly empathetic coach. She was mm-hmm. always willing to dedicate. Time if I felt if I needed advice or wanted to talk to her or was confused about something, she was so generous with her with her time and with her knowledge. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember she would give me she would she would give me lists. She would just compose these lists playwrights or choreographers or, or, you know, theater directors that I should go home and Google and learn about. She mm-hmm. was just always there offering more and more and more.
0: Mm-hmm. Nice. And what was your, um, so, but you said that you're a music major once you got to Boston University. Yeah. Uh, what made you decide on music rather than going in for the theater degree.
1: Yeah, that's a great question that I too am always asking myself. <laughs> <laughs> I don't really know the answer to that. Wow. I, I think I think possibly a major factor that I don't remember that clearly and it's only a conjecture that I can make now is my parents. I think for some reason, my parents pushed, me, compelled me in a more musical direction. Mm-hmm. Um, I think... <laughs> I think to parents, maybe music sounds a little more reliable of a life path than theater, whatever the hell I mean by that.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's so weird. Yeah,
1: it's so weird, right? Um, I don't know. I'm not, I honestly am not really sure. And I still Mm -hmm. wonder to this day why I did that.
0: Yeah, it that is definitely weird that your parents influenced you into music because like normally you hear like the parent like not really for theater. It's because they want you to do like, quote unquote, a, a real job, mm-hmm. you know, like a doctor or something like that. It's like, oh, no, music, you know, like I feel like music is definitely much harder to get into compared to theater. Or yeah, do, would you do you agree with that?
1: Yeah, I do. I do. I do. Especially some of the older art forms of, of music and all that canon um also like I was very much a singer in high school and Mm. um uh uh I at the time I was you know I was such a freaking badass I think I (laughs) thought musical I think I thought when I was 16 and 17 I think I thought musical theater was kind of like lame Mm -hmm. or something so for some reason i thought that if i went to school for musical theater that would make me like an artist yuppie i don't (laughs) know it's funny because i've since completely reversed that and i love musical theater and i love performing it Mm -hmm. the opportunities that i get to now um although i don't usually fit into some of the more classic character stereotypes that musical theater demands Mm -hmm. (laughs) <laughs> which is always frustrating to me. But um, yeah, I think that may have contributed to why I chose just singing instead of musical theater and or theater.
0: Yeah. Did you stay connected with Claire during uh, college?
1: Yes. We were literally emailing yesterday. I'm not, we've, we've, I've gone back to my high school theater program and taught workshops I've I've done three workshops in the past five years I would say at Marymount um she unfortunately did retire last year though so that was kind of the final my final connection to that school and you know as time goes on you know you you lose touch but mm-hmm. it's kind it yeah it's really cool to me that she stayed in my life for so long
0: yeah, I mean, uh, most high school t- and none of my high school teachers, I haven't spoken to them in many years and I don't care to talk back uh, re- to them.
1: Theater is a wildly traumatic time. In our yeah. Lives. Well, well, I mean uh, high school, did I say
0: theater? I mean high yeah,
1: school is traumatic. Yeah.
0: Well, for me anyway, like uh and I talked about this on the podcast too. Like I was never exposed to theater in high school. I'm from Saudi Arabia, so um theater was non-existent at the time, or at least like even the arts, really, in high school specifically. You went to um, high
1: school in Saudi Arabia?
0: Yeah, so I'm from the Middle East. Wow, um, okay, okay. My, yeah, my, my, Sid's not actually my real name. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, the al is, but um, Do you, my, um, do you know
1: the... contemporary Iranian playwrights that you could email me? <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: not off the top of my head, okay. no, but I do know I am very good friends with uh, Yusuf al-Gundi. Okay. Uh, he's an Egyptian-American playwright um he he writes really good stuff and i think what i really enjoy about his work is um he writes arabs uh but like he doesn't write them so you can sympathize with the fact that like oh yeah he's an arab like his plays uh make you think a lot deeper Uh and oftentimes his characters uh are kind of in a gray area Mm -hmm. of like right and wrong like you're not supposed to root for the arab character in like his plays as you would kind of like Expect mm. and like uh, in a uh, uh, like a person like a person of color like etc etc play, but um, yeah that's why I really love about his work and uh, I met him online and I directed a scene from his show wow. as like my my like as my first theater thing mm-hmm. uh, my theater project and yeah um, I was never exposed to theater in high school because I lived in Saudi- half Saudi okay. um, so. I, but I was raised in, uh, I was born in Seattle uh, to an American mom. So I'm like, uh, I'm just like a cocktail boy, you know? <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's got, amazing. Got,
1: what a life story.
0: Yeah. It's uh it's a long one. That's, <laughs> 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 well, that's probably another hour
1: in itself. Oh but, my God. Um,
0: yeah. But I came to Gonzaga, like my theater uh, department, Gonzaga University. Yes. Without, like without, um, yeah, I never really thought about theater before, but um i was going to be an english teacher or a journalist so your
1: so your interest in theater didn't start until say age 18 19 is what you're saying uh
0: it started 20 like 2021 i was i was a late uh a late boomer in college you know yeah um a lot of personal stuff there again we can go in it for an (laughs) hour it's just interesting
1: yeah yeah because but um What's that? Well, I just I feel like I I'm so used to the concept of people falling in love with theater when they were ten. You know, I feel like that's what everyone says, I, but <laughs> doesn't always doesn't always have to be the story.
0: Yeah. Well, if you guys want to listen to my theater like background, um, listen to my listen to the episode with MJ Daly coming up. Hopefully by the time uh, this podcast is up, <laughs> this is a weekly podcast, by the way, yeah. in case anyone didn't know. So the timeline is, is kind of off, but I go into detail about my own theater journey and I, co- and, and I do so in a couple other episodes. So uh, don't want to spoil it for you. <laughs> you <wanna> <laughs> okay, okay. That. Yeah. Um. So let's see here um i've
1: been really so, good at d- d- getting off topic i apologize oh, oh
0: that's fine that's fine this is what this uh, this is what this podcast is all about okay <laughs> um so music degree have you done theater when you're at the boston university like at all
1: i was able to do a little i was um it's funny, I've always found myself in these like corners of mild rebellion. So I realized a few years in to learning to the music program that it was indeed theater that I was more interested in. Um, But you know, music programs are traditionally very strict, and Mm -hmm. you may not do other things, you must be practicing singing at all times. And so Mm -hmm. I was the kind of i mean from their perspective rebellious student wanting to take theater classes and audition for the theater program shows and Mm -hmm. and to me i'm just like wow those teachers are being really small minded Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) at least from my current perspective especially from my current perspective so yeah i was able to squeeze into like a couple shakespeare classes i think i sat i think i theater history class at one point i I, mm-hmm. I was in the ensemble of one of their main stage shows. I mean, I didn't get to do as much as I had wanted to, but I was able to at least sort of get my foot in the door and be a part of the theater cra- crowd and like listen to their dialogue and learn from that. Um, but that being said, I from those from those you know, few pursuits, I had not really developed the skill set yet that equated a life in the theater, you know, I had no idea how to audition, a lot of holes in like my fundamental execution of acting. And so that was, that was why I decided to go get my MFA because it felt technically necessary for me in order to achieve the goals that I wanted to achieve.
0: Yeah, that's really interesting that you mentioned that about your MFA, because usually, at least the people that I know, uh, and me personally, too, when I want to go get my MFA, not only do I want to, like, improve on my directing, because directing is fairly new to me, I only really decided, like, hey, this is going to be a thing that I want to pursue mm-hmm. uh, last year, literally, but like the year I was going to dra- graduate from like Gonzaga. So yeah, I felt I felt like I needed this master's to uh, further enhance my abilities. But also, since I found this new love of mentoring, it was like, oh yeah, now I can also teach with this MFA degree. Yeah, um, that's true. Probably something that yeah, something that I thought about doing early on in my life mm-hmm. was teaching. So um, it's interesting for you, you felt like there was something missing after you got your music degree. And, but you, so that's why you felt like you wanted, you, you needed to get your MFA so you could um, do, like do theater. Correct. Essentially. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: correct. There were just things that I didn't know and they weren't things that I was going to learn by being out in the world, unfortunately. They were things that I had to like hunker down and head back to the classroom to learn and work on.
0: Mm-hmm. so um the other thing i was kind of curious about like where does your partner fit in all this like um y- you mentioned him uh, you mentioned them as like your uh uh your first person that you're thankful for <laughs> yeah yeah uh, so, so where do they kind of fit into this your your entire world right now
1: for sure so he and i met on a whim uh to, uh coming up on two years ago mm-hmm. um just out in downtown la one day and he approached me and we started talking. And, um, unfortunately I have a soft spot, romantically speaking for people that are also performers. I think because, I think because there's just a mutual understanding of the lifestyle and the challenges, you know, the struggle, there's like a mutual understanding there. And he is, he is a jazz musician. He, He, he plays the bass um, he also plays guitar and keys, but like the bass is what pays his bills, um, mm-hmm. and it's his primary thing. So, so it's nice because <laughs> I don't really like dating because it's like too close to home. But when mm-hmm. it's <laughs> when it's like uh, when it's a, a a closely related art form, I'm like, oh hell yeah, this is gonna be great. So um, I think there was an there was just an initial connection immediately because we had a shared vocabulary from our different trials and tribulations of being performers that Mm -hmm. really allowed us to click and continues to let us click because just ongoing, I think we mutually understand the experience of the other to a certain certain degree.
0: Uh, That's so cool. That's really cool. I like that perspective. Uh, For me anyway, I... I've never dated before. Well, I've never like been in a relationship. I've dated a few times, but I okay. think like clicked before. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know how I'd feel about dating another like theater, like performer I get now, like now that you kind of put that in perspective. But like, yeah, I agree with you. Like performer, like theater artist. I feel like that's too close to home. And, yeah. Like, um, <laughs> I don't want to go home and like after a long rehearsal or a long tech or whatever, only to talk more about theater.
1: Yes, Exactly. <laughs> And I you know. feel, I, I, I can't, because I have never actually dated another actor, but mm-hmm. my guess is that there might be some sort of weird sense of competition, or mm-hmm. who knows what could happen.
0: Yeah, I, I think that's a valid assumption as well. Um, mm-hmm. it, it might not be like something that necessarily happens, but I can understand that fear of mm-hmm. like, competition, or, you know, you thinking like your partner's legitimately good. Uh, and something and you want to like put make him a part of your like show you know the the you know casting him like casting your partner into like a play a director or something like that at least from my perspective anyway as a Mm -hmm. as a director like I don't know how I feel about casting my potential boyfriend um in a show
1: (laughs) it gets sticky fast doesn't it yeah
0: uh, what's your partner's name? I don't think you mentioned it. Oh, I'm name. so
1: sorry. Yeah, his name is Eric. Eric England. Great name.
0: <laughs> yeah. And so what was Eric's like response to you doing theater? Like, uh, what did he uh, like? How does he support you in that role?
1: Well, what's funny is, according to him, when we first, you know, when we first started dating, he admitted to having like no understanding of theater. He never went to see plays. And, he, you know, he re- never went to see musicals. He had only played in the pit of a production of Aida in Miami once years ago. Like, he just knew very little. Um, mm-hmm. And so that was shocking to me in a way because I was like, God, you're a musician, but you still like these are such similar. Whatever. What mm-hmm. What was nice, though, is. He um, was immediately interested in learning about theater and attending events with me or, of course, attending events that I was performing in. But also um, it, it was nice because I didn't feel like I was dragging him along to plays, which I know can be a cliche sometimes um, mm-hmm. in partnerships. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, he, he like um, g- genuinely enjoys going with me. Which is nice, and yeah. I mean, I, I me too. Like, I think I've always gone to music events, so uh, I guess if I win, like I beat him because I was already going to music. <laughs> but he did. He has exposed me to corners of the LA music scene that I might not have discovered myself mm-hmm. if he hadn't come into my life. For example,
0: that's so cool, yeah. and like you, you kind of made a little theater fan out of him. Yeah. It
1: it's yeah, I love it. I um, I haven't gotten to take him to any classical stuff yet, and uh, because I I go see mostly contemporary stuff. In LA. I try to like stay up with the new new work scene that is so dope in LA. Um, mm. but I like, I'm so excited for the day where we finally get to go to a Shakespeare play together, which will require me like whispering into his ear the entire time (laughs) about what's going on in front of him
0: oh yeah (laughs) you know what i I mean yeah that's that's super cute (laughs) um out of curiosity um we had a we had another uh friend on the show keely uh she's a technical director at um a community college in colorado and she talked about like how her partner initially uh, her current partner not her ex mm-hmm. um, her current partner uh, was kind of like trepidatious about theaters like oh man this is kind of like eh, weird but like eventually uh, yeah, she took her uh, she took him to one of her shows and then that's when he kind of realized that like oh wow not only was this a really good experience but like this she's really good at at her job mm-hmm. <laughs> um, did your boyfriend ever have a, a moment like that where he was like wow what you're doing out there is like insane like maybe or maybe like his favorite theater moment of yours if
1: yeah i'm trying i mean his i think his favorite theater moment of mine probably largely because the script was just so powerful um last summer gosh Mm -hmm. we're coming up on a year ago it's crazy what time what time what is time these days with the quarantine yeah but about a year ago i'm sorry am i cutting you off
0: Oh, no, that's fine. I, okay. I, I'm i just I'm just adding in a little like flavor, okay. <laughs> I guess. You know what I mean? Like, I'm, I, I have no like no opinions yet. I'll let okay. you finish. <laughs> OK, um,
1: I was in a, a new a revision, a, 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 a sort of reworked version of the Anne Frank play a year ago at the Museum of Tolerance, which is a, in which is in L.A. It's a museum mm-hmm. uh, uh, dedicated to Jewish history and. You know, it's, it's funny. Like we all know the Anne Frank story. It's Mm -hmm. something that you learn about usually from a very young age. So you're like, it's so sad. I know. But then when you, when, 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 when I really slowed down and I worked on this play and he came to see it, we, we were both struck by the truth of how important it is to keep that story alive. And he came to see it twice and Mm -hmm. he, he might be upset with me for exposing him, but it did I guess, bring him to tears both times. And (laughs) I think it was uh, like additionally striking for him because I was playing Margot Frank and Frank's older sister. Mm -hmm. In the end, they pass away. Mm -hmm. And so I think that was like kind of a peculiar uh, experience for him to watch his partner, playing a role that experiences hardship and then a very tragic end and it it, mm-hmm. it it was me but it was margot frank you know like that sort of those mind games that theater plays on us
0: exactly god he <laughs> uh, calling him out he cried for <laughs> <geez>. <laughs> what a baby <laughs> what a baby yeah but um that's the way you talk about Eric, gosh, it makes me feel happy. <laughs> like it sounds like you both are like really in love with each other. Um, like I don't know where. He, oh yeah. Um, you said that he was really supportive for you. Like you're really thankful for him nowadays with everything that's going on. Well, yeah.
1: I mean, I I, I don't want to sugarcoat it. I, I I've been having a really hard time during the quarantine. Like I not not only do I miss theater, but I I miss doing theater regularly and I also am fearful for the future. I believe that theater is going to come back, but I'm so mm-hmm. nervous uh, for how long that's going to take and also how long it's going to take to really get started. Like mm-hmm. I'm worried that bigger cities like where I live, LA or Chicago or New York theater is going to get going again, but, but possibly in a smaller style like smaller, I don't know what that means, maybe smaller casts, smaller venues. It's possible that the, there will be less opportunity for a little while. And therefore that less opportunity is likely to go to, I don't know, like famous people or whatever you want to label it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I, I hope that these are just concerns of mine and that it would be great if they turned out to not be true. But like they're, they're things that I have a lot of anxiety over and so it's been nice to have uh, someone like eric to work through those concerns with
0: yeah i mean if you think about it if you go back to like the the early 20 the mid 20s with the depression like and how much how many theaters closed yeah. and how bad how bad things were back in that day but like also what was able to come out from that uh, rough time too like theater was able to come back you know mm-hmm. um so I'm pretty hopeful that we'll be coming back to theater, but it's probably, like you said, it's probably going to be one of those things where um, where it's going to take a long time for us to get back. And even if we are going to go back, it's one of those things where you are, we are not going to be the same. No. And for, for a long time, probably. Like yeah. Even longer, which um, is frightening, but I think it's a way for us to rethink about how we do things with uh, theater. Um, I spoke uh, on the previous episode with uh, Keely talking about how this quarantine was really uh, it's testing our sense of empathy for everybody, you know?
1: Yeah. yeah
0: it's uh, it's, it's really like just, it's not only testing our sense of empathy, but also I think it's t- testing us as artists to really just go against the grain. That's why I, I like, uh, my theater troupe is called the Traveling Theater Company for Wayward Artists. Yeah, and Wayward is supposed to be some someone who goes against the grain right. of what's like expected of them. So, I'm kind of curious to see like how everybody's going to produce theater uh, in a brand new way rather than just um, the same old way.
1: Yeah, me me too. And and honestly, I'm really inspired by even this simple oh, well, it's not some, this, this endeavor that you've taken on of creating this podcast. I think it's a really um, smart and proactive reaction to everything that's going on right now.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think like uh, like I said in the earlier episodes, like this podcast was really, uh, it was built from a previous podcast that i had listened to where Jared Petty was talking to people about, you know, the, pre- the people that inspired them, the people that they're thankful for. Mm-hmm. And it really, I just love hearing stories about people who inspired them. And it, I feel like it just makes me feel hopeful yeah. about the future. Cause like some of the, like, you know, s- some stories, you know, they're very, a lot of us have like pretty positive backgrounds uh, or childhood. Like we got a few episodes where, you know, maybe uh, certain theater departments weren't always that welcoming to uh, certain people or yeah, you
2: know, in,
0: in a recent case, like, you know, my friend and her ex uh, talk like in that, awful experience and going into like the details of that but how she was able to come out of that like I think it's very important to hold on to positivity especially like man social media is just draining yes
1: (laughs) I know it's I need to be better I have been spending way too much energy on dedicated to social media recently
0: yeah yeah and for me it's like um there's a lot of good, you know, that social media is doing right now and spreading awareness of, with everything that's going on. But I feel like even that, even like the things that are positive and it is overwhelming. Um, yeah.
1: I couldn't agree more.
0: Yeah. I spoke to my professor and she was like, um, you know, there, there's some people online that are just like, you know, silence is toxic. And like, I definitely agree with that. You know, like uh, if you have a platform, you should definitely speak up yeah. and talk about like what's going on. But I feel like when it comes to social media specifically if you choose not to speak up on social media i'm sure there's other ways that you could yeah uh,
1: i know like it's, this weird, it's this weird it's this weird double edged sword of an argument
0: <laughs> yeah exactly so um that's that's why this podcast was birthed you know like uh uh-huh. it's so it's a way to like think positive about stuff yeah. and about ourselves like you you said you went through a hard time during this quarantine and mm-hmm. i bet like yeah, out of curiosity and if you're comfortable talking about it like like, were you getting consistent, like, gigs um, when you were uh, before quarantine as a professional actress?
1: I I had finished my last show in November, and mm-hmm. it, I was in this, like, hyper frustrating dry spell of getting close to booking my next show. Very close, <laughs> very close, multiple times. <laughs> I might still be bitter <laughs> about them, but that's that's beside the point. So I wasn't actively working on any shows, but I had this kind of just funny, coincidental abundance of readings come. Mm -hmm. I I did like three readings in a month. And then I was also right about to do my next reading in L.A. at a major venue here. So I was really looking forward to like the 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 uh, networking opportunities that might have offered me. Um, Mm -hmm. So, yeah. I I actually can't remember the question. Did I answer the question? <laughs> uh, I
0: think I think so. Okay. I, like, the question was essentially like, uh, before quarantine, like was were you mostly getting your income through acting?
1: Oh no, definitely Except, uh, not. I mean, in LA, I was. Unless you really are pursuing TV and film, it mm-hmm. is quite difficult to make a, a, a full time salary on theater. Um, mm-hmm. And I I, I really am not, (laughs) I'm just not interested in TV and film. So it's (laughs) it's funny that I live in LA. I really am just so much more passionately connected to theater. Um, I will say financially, my 2019 was pretty good as far as my acting gigs. But 2020 was looking a little more nebulous. And then COVID hit. So then everything went to shit.
0: Oh, yeah. And uh, you said you were a bartender too. Is that still that's still going on with everything no
1: (laughs) it's not and i can't say that i miss it
0: (laughs) (laughs) that's fair i mean like i really feel for the people that are out there currently right now um
1: working you mean
0: yeah working like those pictures of like the people with the shield and the glasses they're they're
1: guinea pigs it's ridiculous i I i'm like
0: yeah i keep going yeah
1: well there's just there isn't much reason i understand that restaurants uh, want to reopen and, and make money, but it feels like the governments are just forcing restaurants to be these sort of cesspools or like experiments on what happens with regards to public health. Mm-hmm. And these and so these restaurants are under this unfair social pressure to reopen because people mm-hmm. want them to, you know, they want to go out and have a little fun. But mm-hmm. we're just we're just not there yet. I don't understand why Patience has run out so suddenly in LA. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know what the solution is either. Even in uh, Spokane, Washington, like a very essentially small town. We've had several restaurants so far close uh, down because a, a couple of people like got COVID. Oh, wow. So it's like, oh man, like this, this is terrible. This is not like good. And the place that I work too, like, I, I mean, I work in healthcare. I'm a receptionist and, mm-hmm. At, at the ice at, at an ice center here at the like the hospital and well, not hospital but clinic yeah and even that like we we don't see sick people but we've gotten calls from people that said like hey i got like i got covid like um i went i went for an appointment last week and today i was uh, tested positive for COVID. wow i'm like, I'm like shoot <laughs> you know like i i know probably like i'm not like i don't like nothing's going on with me personally right but i'm a hundred percent sure I'm a a carrier. Yeah. You know, like there, I have to like self-isolate. Like I can only really, I only really feel comfortable going out when I feel like I need to go out. And even then, like my hands are in my pocket. I don't touch anything. I don't like, I wear my mask. Like I do all these things to like, make sure I don't like hurt people, Yeah, you know? and uh how de-
1: how dedicated is the community in spokane to wearing their masks like what <laughs> what are your observations
0: oh my goodness uh, <laughs> let me tell you um we can that's another conversation well, of sure, itself, but right. i remember i re- i remember going out like oh, oh like man. two weeks ago before our governor said that restaurants and other places cannot allow people to come in without a mask uh-huh. and so um when I was going out, I was like, it's far as the eye can see people not wearing masks. And I'm like, what is wrong with everybody?
2: Right.
0: You know, like, and sometimes I see my neighbors too, like just hanging out. Um, They're like, they're standing a few feet apart, but like, they're not wearing masks or anything. I'm like, Gu- guys, come on. You know, I, I don't want to do this. It's so, it's, I hate. Yeah, I hate the mask. I hate the mask. Sure. I hate social distancing. I hate all of it. But yeah. like, it is something that is important it's, to keep people safe It's so
1: simple it's so freaking simple
0: yeah like I'm not doing this because like I want to you know yeah I think like if if I had my way like I would not wear a mask or do this social dist. like even when a regular flu would come along and like people say like oh yeah I'm sick I have the flu I don't want to give it to you I'm like dude come over here let's let's hug it out you know I don't care <laughs> you know like like I like I right. was that type of person I I even remember like early covid like in february yeah when they talked about it i was like ah man it's just gonna be like swine flu you know like and all that like it was it was something i felt like at the time swine flu was blown out of proportion when i was a kid right you know i I, it wasn't as serious as like schools are shutting down we have to wear mask or anything like that but then like things were shutting down and things were like masks and everything and i was like
1: yeah and you're I'm in washington a- state too like that's where things seem to happen the fastest in as far as in the united states at the beginning yeah, well, of all
0: this In Seattle in the seattle area Spokane right. is far east true so it's like it's like right on the border of idaho um so we're like super far um our COVID cases not I mean like a thousand people, a thousand cases, but like it's still not as big as like, you know, Kings County or in that mm-hmm. specific area, like the metropolitan area. Got so, it. So but but yeah, that's Washington was the uh the first place where it hit the hardest.
1: Yeah, it was.
0: Mm-hmm. Um kind of reining it back in a little bit because okay. It was, (laughs) we got super passionate because like, I think you and I are both super angry about everything that's going on right now. Um, What were some ways that your boyfriend or Eric was like, you know, um, like has helped you out during this quarantine? Like, was he just like there for listening? Like um, what are some things, like what are some cool things that he's done so far? Like that you notice.
1: We've made some music together. Ooh. That's been, I mean, not like new music, but um, like during the real thick of the quarantine when we were barely going outside at all. And I guess there's mm-hmm. no reason we couldn't revisit this again, but we were like just for fun, <laughs> duetting in his living room. He would play upright bass and I'd like name a, a, a sort of like golden age music theater style song that he was likely to know or, or could pull up the chart for. And then we mm-hmm. would just like sing it, and he would teach me about um, like improvising because I don't, I I've never been very good at musical improv. Mm-hmm. It was just like <laughs> we had these funny little collaboration nights, but they were, they were so. I think, I think they were even more important than I might have realized in the moment. <laughs> You know, why is that? Why why is that? Just to like maintain my sanity and also remind myself that I am a performing artist since I have had limited opportunity to,
0: you know,
1: perform. I think sometimes you just need to do things at home to remind yourself that, yes, this is my identity. This is what I love and this is my life pursuit. Especially Mm -hmm. because I noticed with my theater community here in LA, we, when the quarantine started, I was doing a ton of virtual virtual play readings some of new things that playwrights were working on and Mm -hmm. some of just you know old plays that people felt passionate like I did a reading of Arcadia Mm -hmm. and I did a reading of um uh, I always screw up the this Christopher Durang title Masha Vanya Sonia and Spike did I get it in Uh, the right order
0: (laughs) oh I I think so isn't that uh, isn't that Shakespeare or Chekhov I can't remember like
1: it's a Chekhov it's Chekhov commentary yeah Okay. But um, and so those were okay. I mean, they're in no way the same as in, you know, real life theater experiences. But they were nice for a while, and then it was bizarre. It, it all just kind of tapered off. It it just felt like people got tired of them, or I don't know, people just like gave in to their laziness. Like I I, I don't mm-hmm. I I haven't fully understood why those disappeared so abruptly. And I had mm-hmm. been organizing them myself as well. I was trying to get friends of mine that are playwrights to send me anything that they wanted to read out loud Mm -hmm. and I had a really hard time that felt like doing one it it Mm -hmm. it, it was it was surprising to me
0: yeah I think early quarantine everybody was like rah rah we're all in this together yeah let's 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 make some art like uh, I think Anne Bogart uh God, I wish I remember. She did a video where she was talking about the quarantine, like COVID and all that. And mm-hmm. um, she, gosh, I, I, you know what? I'm gonna send. I'll put the, I'll post the link in the video. A blog um, post
1: or something? Oh, a video? You said? Yeah,
0: it's a video that she did. Uh, it's on uh, HowlRound. Are you familiar with that uh, website? I think so. Yeah, they do a lot of theater, like articles from like um, like self published like theater artists, and. Anne Bogart was being interviewed and she talked about, she talked about that very same thing of like people being super anxious about um, doing things. Um, But I I can't remember the quote that she said, but it was so good. Anne Bogart is so good. She
1: she doesn't, she didn't really approve of it. Right. Like I think she understood why people were doing it, but she didn't like it.
0: Yeah. She, (laughs) it was essentially that like, you know, like, or like, you know, feeling like you had to like do something. You know, uh, during this time. Yeah. Uh, And I, I definitely agreed with her. I just wish I remember what she said.
1: (laughs) It's, it's funny, the readings that I was organizing, I wasn't organizing them in a public fashion. I was literally just doing them private as like Mm -hmm. a little like, you know, fun actor circle. But I, I had one playwright in particular that really wanted to have his be public. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, oh, this is such a different sensation. Yeah. <laughs> like producing this sort of weird public virtual reading mm-hmm. that I I had a feeling no one would tune into. But then we did actually get like twenty people that tuned in. It's hard to know how actively people are listening because I think it's really difficult to hang on to a ver- as an audience member. It's really difficult to hang on to a virtual play reading. That's just mm-hmm. my my experience. But yeah. So I was surprised that we that, that like 20 people showed up and appeared to stay on the whole time. <laughs>
0: yeah. I uh my experience with like online theater has been roughly negative, honestly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I uh I was I saw one play by uh, my friend who's a playwright named Art Por Diaz, who again, once again guys, we still need to figure out when he's going to be on the show. Um <laughs> he is Like he was debuting his uh, thesis play, like his master's play, and like it's a ten-minute play, and I went to see it, and I just felt super out of it. Like Mm I, I sat there, I was like, okay, I'm watching a play, but and you tried, yeah, I tried really hard to be engaged with it, but like most of these theater like live stream things, like they to me they feel like watching movies with like bad graphics, (laughs) you know, like because like when you. like when you watch a movie like the editing and like the direction and the dire- the f- direction of photography and all that like that's yeah. super important it, yeah to-
1: it's purposefully there
0: <laughs> yeah but like when you have like shitty green screen and oh. you, you don't have the benefit of like being there as a theater artist like yeah. you're just you're just like i'm just gonna look on my phone and see what's going on on facebook you know and then and that's like And then I'm in my mind when I do that, I'm like, Oh shoot, I'm watching a play. I'm not supposed to be on my phone.
1: (laughs) I know (laughs) my God. Um, it's, I also am so amused by the readings that, um, they like rehearse it so that the Mm -hmm. actors from their homes, like face to the left or the right, based on Mm -hmm. what square the other actor is in, you know what I mean? I always, I find that so funny, like, Mm -hmm. like, Okay, who are we kidding? We know that they're sitting in different rooms and different houses in different places. Boy.
0: Yeah, exactly. I just, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, like, okay. l- I'll let people have fun and do whatever they want. But yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll sit over here and be uh, a purist if I have to.
1: <laughs> I know. Are we just like pure, purist old farts? I, I, like, can't be- <laughs> I think so.
0: I mean, like, unless they do something that's like legitimately interesting. I mean, but I don't know, unless it's something from the ground up. You know, mm-hmm. like where you have zoom in mind and all the glitches and all the, like the faults of yeah. online video like that, like in mind in, instead of doing like, I don't know, uh, you brought up death of a salesman. So like, yeah, what if <laughs> death of a salesman, but on zoom, like, yeah. you know,
1: you know what I have enjoyed watching though, are the free weekly live, I mean the free weekly, um, streams from the national theater each mm-hmm. are, are, do you do you know about this they've been streaming one free play on youtube mm-hmm. and it's all of them are some of the better like filmed versions of because filming theater is so freaking hard but mm-hmm. they're 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 not bad like you can tell they used really they were really me- uh, methodical in the way that they filmed each individual mm-hmm. play and like so last week i watched um new ish uh, a Midsummer Night's Dream, starring uh the that Game of Thrones. I, I don't watch Game of Thrones. I think Christie Christy Gwendolyn or something something close oh, to that.
0: Gwendolyn Christy, yeah. Okay,
1: yeah,
0: no, She was Captain Phasma in Star Wars.
1: Okay. Oh, again, I, I haven't seen that. Don't kill me. But <laughs> okay. um she plays Titania and and it was great. And it, it it they they just worked really hard to film it in a way that kind of made it feel like you were there. Uh-huh. And so enjoying those streams i I've been watching them pretty consistently each week
0: yeah i well speaking of stream like really good stream shows, I mean I, I just saw Hamilton Oh um, yeah uh, I thought I, like uh, in comparison to a lot of like film theater shows that I've seen, that was really good.
1: yeah, I haven't watched it yet, but obviously. We all make an effort this
0: weekend. Yeah, it's it, it's it's Hamilton. I I've never seen Hamilton. I've only listened to a few songs, but I was in my head. I was like, I need to see this live. Mm-hmm. I I already enjoy these songs a lot, and I love Lin-Manuel Miranda, and I want to do this show justice by seeing it in person. And uh, unfortunately, <laughs> that's not the case anymore mm-hmm. with everything that's going on. Because they were going to come here to Spokane. Like, oh yeah. So. I was like, oh, I guess I'll watch it online, like on Disney+. Plus. Yeah, and then, and then I'd be like, I was so moved. I, I kind of hate myself for seeing it now because yeah. it was so good. But like now I, I, I didn't have that experience of seeing it for the first time live.
1: Yeah, that's a bummer. But at least you were able to access it.
0: Oh, yeah. I think that's great. I think that that's to have the original cast of Hamilton – and like have that e- being easily accessible for people who probably can never go to see a Broadway show, which again we can go into a whole topic about oh, God, Broadway. No. Uh, yeah, <laughs> uh, like I'm so grateful that they did that. You know, I yeah. wish more theater. I we need more recordings of theater. In my opinion, like like more professional, yeah, like more thoughtful, like like recordings of like plays. Yeah, you know, instead of having to spend thousands of dollars going to broadway
1: yeah my friend my birthday was last weekend and my friend um gave me a subscription like a month long subscription for broadway hd and i just found out that the um the 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 school girls or the african mean girls Mm -hmm. is on there and i've been wanting to read that play because i recently got access to the script but it's always so much better to see a play. So I'm so glad that it's on there because I'm going to watch it instead now.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I mean, yeah, that's kind of our options now. Yeah. But uh, going back to your boyfriend and like recording that song, what did that do for you? Like like perform, it said it reminded you that you are a performer. Yeah. Uh, Do you think you'll do more? uh, Do you think you'll do more songs with him?
1: I do. Um, He's been using this quarantine time to learn more about uh uh like audio production Mm -hmm. audio engineering through you know with and software and all of that Mm -hmm. so uh, i gave him a song from don't laugh at me Mm -hmm. the mean girls musical oh wow (laughs) i i I gave it to him Mm -hmm. uh to try making his own like non-dorky sounding karaoke track for. Mm -hmm. So he's currently working on that for me with the end goal being that will then plug me singing onto the track as well.
0: Oh that's cool.
1: But it's a work, you know, it's a gradual work in progress.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I feel like definitely in my from my perspective anyway, um doing this podcast really just reminds me of like directing a little bit and being and telling like quote unquote actors like, okay. I I okay, I'm not going um, I'm going to re- retract that because <laughs> I was going to say, oh yeah, this is going to be me as a director telling actors what to do and like that's not what I'm that's not what a director does. <laughs> but uh, um so what I mean is like, you know, um producing something. Yeah. just having like a structure and being like, okay, this is how we're going to do things and we're going to jive off each other and it's going to be a fun time and this is something I'm making, you know, like
2: Yeah.
0: and it's kind of it's a lot of fun getting to talk to people and yeah. it does. And I guess it does remind me of directing in a sense, because when I do talk to guests, it's really, I'm really trying to listen to like, you know, like what you're saying and how I can contribute to the conversation or how, or ask you a question where you can probably like elaborate a little bit more about a certain aspect of like what you just talked about. Like, I think it, it reminds me so much of directing and yeah. like trying to find intentions and motivations and all that cliches.
1: <laughs> That's really cool. Mm-hmm. I wish I had like a similar thing that I could say I'm also doing, but the, the, I don't. But um, I guess recently, I've been realizing that I just need to push myself harder to create kind of similar minded venue like you're doing with uh-huh. this podcast for myself. Yeah. And I don't quite know what it is yet. But I think I'm going to figure it out pretty yeah i think i'm gonna figure it out soon
0: and i would argue you, you don't necessarily have to you know that's like, true
1: yeah you're absolutely right but i but i want to <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah just don't hurt yourself everything yeah. all this should just be for fun You know.
1: oh definitely uh,
0: um what's a good memory that you have of eric
1: hmm a lot uh uh-uh.
0: um
1: let me think. I'm like thinking of all these different events that we've gone to.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I think so <laughs> this isn't a really like big and specific memory, but it's just it's more of a visual memory for me for for me, but I'll try to, to pick to so we were like relatively new dating. And uh, I was um, in a wedding that was coming up, like I was a bridesmaid. And so Mm -hmm. I kind of had to awkwardly ask my friend before, before the one getting married, before the official invitations had come out, I was like, no pressure. Like, are you offering me a plus one? I just want to know like what to expect. And she said, "Well, since you're a bridesmaid, if you want a plus one, you can absolutely have one." I was like, "Okay, cool. We get. I guess Eric and I get to go to our first wedding together. Like that'll be really. Mm-hmm. That'll be really fun." But since I was in, and since I was in the um, bridal party, I was, um, you know, like shackled to those duties. So I had, mm-hmm. I more or less had to abandon him at the hotel. But I gave him the phone number of my good good friend from high school who would also I had like a whole little crew of high school friends and so it was so funny at the ceremony for me to like walk out and see him sitting there with my high school crowd whom he technically barely knew at all but (laughs) but he was like trying so hard to just like be like comfortable and supportive and have a nice time even though it very well may have terrifying for him do you know what I mean
0: yeah is he not a is he not like a social butterfly
1: and he's he is relatively introverted until you get him going but what I mean is like just like introducing the family it's like I was introducing him to my friends for the first time but Mm. I wasn't even there like he was introducing (laughs) himself essentially does that make sense does that
0: make Ah, That sounds terrible. <laughs> I've I've been in situations like that where I'm like, "Hey, I, I'm Sid. I, I'm, I'm friends with um, this
1: person. So and so and
0: so. so, and so. Uh, how are you? How do you know him?
1: <laughs> uh, I know, but he did okay and he made it out alive. And then we got really drunk and danced like crazy the rest of the night.
0: <laughs> oh, that's great. That was that was a cute. Yeah. Honestly, this has been a really wholesome episode. That's I think. That's
1: oh, I'm glad sure. I was so worried. I was going to get on here and sound so negative about my um, experiences in the quarantine and like missing, oh. missing theater and all that. But,
0: ah, man, like I said, that's, that's probably for a whole other day. We want to, we want to keep it positive. Yeah. You cool. know? Like we want to keep it good times. Uh-huh. Um, we did, we did like, we did lash out <laughs>
1: for a moment. People
0: who are, yeah. For a moment. But, you know, we, we got it back in. Yeah. Um, you need to be go- going in another hour or so. So I will just kind of wrap things up here cool. by asking you or asking you something. Um, then I'm Eric right now.
1: <laughs> I'm sitting
0: right here. Uh, we had this lovely conversation about me, Eric. <laughs> um, what's one thing you want to say to him right now? Or what? what what's one thing you want to say to me, Eric, right now?
1: What are we getting for dinner tonight? <laughs> <laughs>
0: Uh, what are you getting for
1: What do you not, want? That's not a joke. So, so obviously, <laughs> though, like, so we both work in nightlife-based things, mm-hmm. right? Like, so for the for our entire relationship prior mm-hmm. to the quarantine, we so rarely had sit-down dinners, especially sit-down dinners at home, because on our mm-hmm. on our few coincil- coincidental nights offs that we had simultaneously, we would usually almost always go out to eat. Mm -hmm. And so this quarantine has been really funny because we've actually been like staying home and cooking like a quote unquote traditional couple or whatever, or like anyone with a nine to five job, which is not our experience. And Mm -hmm. so I, 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 I've been making this crazy effort, really thorough grocery shopping and a lot of planning, but I've just been getting really tired. And so like tonight, for example, I'm I'm breaking a little and being like, what if we didn't cook and what if we ordered out? And so I think we're going to order out, but mm-hmm. I don't I don't know from where.
0: Yeah, I just I've been ordering out nonstop. Have I mean, you? I literally yeah, I literally ordered McDonald's two days in a row. <laughs> <laughs> like I I don't care anymore.
1: Oh, my gosh. <laughs> that's so funny.
0: Yeah, um, but I will cook. I mean, like yeah pre-quarantine times it was very oh man i'm gonna cook so much i like yeah. i'm posting it on my instagram look at all yeah. this food i'm cooking that's what we're doing now we made bread during the period where everyone was making bread yeah <laughs> and now it's like when's my life gonna be over now I not know. not to be so morbid but it's yeah,
1: yeah. i i well, feel you
0: yeah well guys gals and non-binary pals this has been the wayward artist and the wayward world podcast with uh Leah mata um Right now, we're getting to the section for lightning round questions. Are you ready for those, Leah?
1: Yes. Oh my god, I had fully forgotten about this.
0: That's fine. <laughs> like this, is the uh, you don't even know what they are. No, I don't. Like, so, for those of you for the uninitiated, like um, <laughs> we have we have a pre we have a pre show where I kind of like go over with guests like what's going on and what we're doing. Uh, Leah's already listened to the podcast, so I was just like, "Hey, I'm gonna like just test your." Like test your listening skills here and see if you remember oh what my the God. questions were. <laughs> so uh, she's she's totally fine. We we talked we talked this through. Like I'm <laughs> not like you're totally cool with that. Like just <laughs> correct. So yeah. So Leah, are you ready for the lightning round questions? Yes, I am. All right. Question number one. What would be your perfect day?
1: Rehearsal. <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> I'm not kidding. My perfect day would be waking up and having time to go out and grab a nice coffee and then rehearsing like that those classic like 10 or 11 to like six or seven in in the evening and then get getting some food and going to sleep that is truly my ideal day
0: I feel like the initial rehearsals for like shows are a lot of fun yeah then like you get to the tech week and like towards the end where you're like can we like do this show already yeah (laughs) yeah
1: You're right. The, honestly, the the table read is always like the most, oh, look at us. We're like having so much fun day of rehearsal mm-hmm. and and like exciting because you get to meet everyone. But mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, even those like stressful moments, I just, I like worship being in a rehearsal room or a black box. It it mm-hmm. It feels so comfortable to me.
0: Yeah. I miss it too. Mm-hmm. Like my last show I did was in December and well, that's a lie. I did a show in March, but that was really just a a one week commitment thing. Mm-hmm. Like the, the one where I like spent most of my time for free. By the way, sure, <laughs> um, sure. Was December, and you know I miss it. I miss I miss that mm-hmm. so. Much. Um, not to, well, let's let's keep. Okay, days. yeah, lightning, lightning. <laughs> uh, uh, what uh, number two? What's your third favorite movie?
1: Oh man, movies are so freaking hard.
0: Yeah, or it could be your third favorite anything, honestly.
1: <laughs> what if I name my third favorite musical?
0: Yes, do that.
1: Right now, I'd say Fun Home. I,
0: oh, Fun I'm Home.
1: Obs- yeah. I've been recently really driving with that show so much.
0: I still need to, like, read it or listen to it. Yeah. But I've heard tremendous good things about it. Read the
1: graphic it. novel and then watch the mu- or listen to the musical. It's so moving, mm-hmm.
0: Oh, was it a graphic novel initially? That's how
1: it started. Yeah, uh, in, wow. in like the two thousands, I think. I actually read the graphic novel coincidentally in college in a in a history, a recent American history class that I took. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it was great. It's an e- ah, it's an easy read.
0: Oh wow! I that's probably going to go on my list. Yeah, hell yeah. <laughs> uh, question number three, and probably a little bit hard, but we'll see how you do with it. Um, <laughs> How would I describe you?
1: Oh, I, I think, I think just based on the fact that we don't know each other and you, as you said, since I agreed to do this, I think you would describe me as open and flexible.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. Open, flexible. Those are some, I think you're very uh, like pro- professional. Like I would say for sure. I mean, gosh, you seems like you've done a lot. I mean, so far, you got your master's, and I, I admire people who've gone that far in their life, mm-hmm. <laughs> especially at the – like, I'm 27, yeah. and you said you were turning 30. So, like, you're a little bit older than me, so, like, seeing – but, like, we're closer in age, mm-hmm. so, mm-hmm. like, you're kind of – uh, it, it's cool seeing somebody within my age range, mm-hmm. like, accomplish so much. Um, you seem like you would be a lot of fun to hang out with. <laughs> uh, like, I like this, to say like, the
1: same thing, too. Like,
0: get, you're, you're, like – and again, I'm making an assumption here. I feel like you would be a really cool drinking buddy, like getting getting drunk like together or something like that, and yeah. just like jiving from there.
1: I do love cocktails, and I can make a mean one. That's for sure.
0: Ah oh, man, I love cocktails. <laughs> um, but I think you're also kind. You know, like I think like they're they're. I, I'm feeling it. I'm getting those vibes from you that you, you seem like a kind person.
1: Thank you. <laughs> likewise truly
0: yes yeah, thank you thank you um number four what's your favorite ice cream topping
1: oh topping i thought you were gonna say flavor topping um mm-hmm. uh um uh crushed reese's cups
0: wow that is that's a game changer Hell what yeah. kind of ice cream what kind of ice cream are you putting i
1: usually keep ice cream simple like custard or vanilla and then because the, mm-hmm. the reese's pack so much punch
0: I see. Well, yeah, that that makes sense. You kind of want to balance it out yeah. a little bit. Maybe the vanilla That's that's like that.
1: my like Cold Stone Creamery uh recipe right there.
0: Yeah, I'm all, I'm I'm a chocolate guy. Okay. You know, like all uh, all chocolate all the time. Yeah. yeah.
1: Well, Reese, <laughs> Reese's have chocolate with peanut butter. Oh yeah.
0: <laughs> exactly. Yeah, um I don't care if all the chocolate blends in together. Mm-hmm. I'll just like, you know, chocolate on top of chocolate. <laughs> um and then number five, speaking of chocolate and the most important question of this lightning round, um, what left Twix or right Twix?
1: <laughs> Wait, what does that mean? Um,
0: so in the in these commercials for Twix, um, they had always been like, you know, left Twix is different than right Twix.
1: Yeah.
0: You know, I've... so that's where this is based from.
1: I don't think I've had a Twix bar since I was like 14 years old. But mm-hmm. I'm just going to say right since I'm right-handed. So I'll honor
0: that. Uh, uh, yeah. That, you, someone else said something similar too. Oh, really? That's so funny. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm making a poll. Um, I don't know which episode. It's a
1: psychological study you don't even realize you're conducting.
0: I, You know, like that's why I say it's super important, you know, left or right. It's like <laughs> de- Democrat or Republican, left twigs or right twigs. Oh, man. it's that, That's not the context, by the way, for those of you who are listening. Like I'm not assuming – uh leah's any polit like any political party no, it's right. yeah. <laughs> um but yeah um do you have any like last words leah before we sign off
1: last words yeah um I think go outside. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, going- go
0: outside, but like wear masks and social distance. <laughs>
1: but I mean, so sorry. Yeah, you're right. I should clarify. <laughs> I mean, go, like, go out in your backyard or front yard if you're lucky enough to have one. For some mm-hmm. reason, like, going out in my tiny little backyard has offered me so much mental solace in these times. I go and I sit out there and I read, or I, I'll like nibble on a snack, listen to a podcast. It's been mm-hmm. the best.
0: Oh, yeah. I love going outside. Yeah. Um, before quarantine, I'd always walk around, like just be a, a street rat. Mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, guys, gals, and non-binary pals, this has been Wayward Artists in a Wayward World. Um, I'm not really sure when the, what the next episode's going to be, um, especially since uh, I haven't really planned the timeline out <laughs> of when this episode specifically is going to come out. So uh, stay tuned. Uh, you'll probably know by the end of this, uh, like once this is published, who's going to be it. Um, thank you so much for joining me, Leah. This was a lot of fun.
1: Yeah, I had a good time.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm very glad I took the chance and to ask you mm-hmm. uh, and you agreed. Yeah. Um, without further ado, um, it's been real. <laughs>